Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Rumblings, Podcast 198. This time I have some more thoughts about Dying Light, and one of the few Kickstarters I've been really happy that I've backed is now out, and that is Darkest Dungeon. So I have some early thoughts on that. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the show. eyes of the world have been glued to the city of Haran for the past two months, following the outbreak of a previously unknown pathogen. It is not yet clear what has caused this gruesome affliction. The local government's Ministry of Defense erected a quarantine wall shortly after the outbreak. The global relief effort's steady stream of supply drops has sustained what few survivors remain in the city. So I would guess I am probably about 16 hours into playing Dying Light at the time of this recording. Combat is super awesome. Very quickly after you get through the tutorial, things start to ramp up. You meet a few new zombie types and are put into quests working for a rival human group. And you start to face off against human targets more often as you start roaming around the city more as well as zombies which have either different tactics or smarter AI. There are tons of side quests, and I find myself going to them pretty easily once I discovered how to zoom into the map and sort of set waypoints to where I want to go for the quests that don't have waypoints. Though quests in Dying Light can take quite a bit longer if you're not careful, because there are a lot of side events that happen, you'll sort of wander off the side, Or you'll decide an area looks particularly good for looting and so you'll stop what you're doing and you'll just kind of look around and loot stuff and start fighting off zombies. So quests can seem to take quite a bit longer if you don't be very careful about how much sort of side stuff I guess you do along the way. Although for me, that is a great part of the fun. It's not just about run to the quest, do the quest, and then run and, you know, ignore everything else that's going on. Because a great part of the game is all of that extra stuff that is going on. Skills, sadly, seem a lot more limited and restricted than I originally thought. Each tree is sort of locking each perk behind sort of a requirement in terms of levels. So while you do get a unlock point each time you level it up, you really don't get a whole lot of choice in terms of what you can get. Usually you're talking about two, maybe three unlocked new skills. And that doesn't happen every level. Some levels it seems like it takes a few level ups before something new unlocks. So it almost seems like a 50-50 chance when you level up, you'll pick skill A or B. So I think until people probably hit about level 10 or so, they're probably going to be a lot more similar than dissimilar. And of course, there are always the perks that seem sort of required in each tree. As example, there's a light fall or safe fall ability in agility. One sort of reduces the amount of damage you take as you drop. And then the other one allows you to do this sort of roll move when you land. So you take basically no damage from any height. So those seem like pretty much required skills and agility. And of course, anybody familiar with the Dead Island games know the stomp move. That seems pretty much like a skill everybody's going to take in the power tree. 
as well as a, a few other skills. There's uh, the throw skill in power, which I was never really a fan of, and there are th- specifically thrown weapons that you don't need any skill for. So if I'm going to throw something, I'll just use those. But I'm sure people who were very into throwing regular melee weapons will unlock the throwing skill, and so that's another required sort of choice in the power tree. Knight play is super cool. It sort of changes the regular game into sort of more of a puzzle game. While you can still fight and survive against the lower level zombies, there are quite a number of sort of higher level zombies, as well as the special hunter type, which only comes out at night. And they are really incredibly difficult to kill. I think I've only just now killed them at power level 12. So I've unlocked quite a bit. I've gotten like three different health ups, I believe. Maybe it's only two, I forget. But it's going to take you quite a while before you can actually kill them. So those first half dozen nights or so that you're in the game, you're going to be really vulnerable. So it becomes very much a stealth and avoidance game. If you get into a fight with a zombie group, you're pretty much just going to want to hit a couple and then run away from them because they're going to hoard up really quickly. And once they hoard up, you know, then the hunter types will sort of work their way towards you and spot you. And once they do, they run really, really, really fast. They run almost faster than you. So when you're running and you run out of stamina, they'll catch up and you're pretty much toast. So night is really cool and then it becomes more of this stealth game where you're going to want to very carefully move from one spot to the other. If there is a group of regular zombies, you're going to probably just want to hit a couple of them and then keep running through and not even loot them. The cool thing, though, is that all of the points you gain in agility and power during the night are doubled. So there's this huge bonus and incentive to stay alive and keep fighting. And there's even an additional bonus if you can survive the night and not actually die at all. You get this huge bonus on top of the other stuff you gain. If I didn't mention it before, there is a mechanic in Dying Light where if you die, you lose a bunch of experience. You can't de-level the levels that you have. So say you're level 10 and you've got 30% experience. Say you die, you'll probably lose about 15% of that 30. And then on your next death, you'll be at, you know, 0% of that level. But you won't go lower than that. So it is really incredibly risky to try and stay alive at night because even one or two deaths and you'll pretty much lose all the experience you've gained. But if you can stay alive, it's pretty much like a half level or even a full level of experience. So it can be really, really, really rewarding to stay alive through the night. Inventory management could still be a little bit better. I'm still not quite 100% happy with it. With only four weapon choices equipped and four special items equipped at a time, choices do seem a little bit limited. I don't know about online co-op play. I expect this would not be the case with that, but in single-player mode, whenever you go into your inventory, the game does pause. So you basically have, you know, all of your items available at any given time. But for quick swapping, you can only have the one spot I did discover that for special items, you can hold down the left button, and it brings up sort of a a wheel 
for, you know, the four spots and then you can just move the right stick to what you want to do. Or, you know, you can repeatedly just click the left button and it'll, it'll swap it out. But it seems like, you know, especially for weapons, if I have one specific weapon I want to switch to, you know, holding down that right button on the D-pad and then switching to the weapon I want really quickly and then switching back is a much better option. And commonly, I'll do it for the special items as well because I'll typically only use the firecrackers and then Maltov. It's one of my favorite combos is throw out little firecrackers, get a bunch of them all together, and then just be like, Maltov, lol, you know, ten of you just died at once. Item modification seems a little bit limited and that it seems like once you modify an item, it stays with that modification. You can't replace it or you can't change it. And it seems like it can have one elemental type of boost. And that's not like taken up by a slot on the item. All of them seem to only have one el- elemental potential boost. And then most items will have three enhancement slots forget what they're called in the game. I, th- I think they might be called upgrades. But like I said, it seems like once you put an upgrade in, it's stuck there permanently and you can't change it or swap it out. So I find myself sort of hoarding all of the upgrades I get. And if I find a weapon that I really, really like, I'll probably slot in probably about two upgrades, I would say, on average. They can have from what I've seen, anywhere from one to four upgrade slots, depending on their sort of rarity level. So it seems like only really worth it to slot stuff into sort of those top two tiers, because the lower level stuff is just going to be not really worth it. The mods are pretty cool. They will upgrade damage, handling, or durability. So of course, durability is like the most important early on, because like I said, you have a limited number of repairs. There are a few perks in, I think it is the survivor tree. I'm not sure. It could be agility. But there's one perk that reduces the speed at which durability sort of gets taken off. And there's another perk, which is sort of a repair perk, where when you repair the weapon, there's a chance that it won't actually use up one of the repair charges. So like one weapon I had started out with four repairs, And I think I've done seven or eight before it actually fully ran out. The only real complaints I have about the game is that the controls aren't very customizable. There are a few buttons you can swap around. But it seems confusing to me that you can't just swap, you know, all your button functions to whatever button you want. It seems odd they don't give the player that choice. You'd think that would just be like, you know, a command that, says if player changes A to B, then B is A and A is B, and that would just be something the game would have to remember, and it's not, you know, any different than the default controls. So that seems a little bit confusing, because, like, I play Destiny quite a bit, and so the jump button and the melee buttons are different on both games, and so it's kind of confusing having that difference. I would rather just set dying light controls to be the same as Destiny, so they're the same. But it doesn't let you do that. There's options that might change one or two of the buttons to be different, but not the buttons that are, you know, the most important for me. My only other complaint is I just recently started seeing guns. And guns seem 
really poor in terms of control and design compared to melee weapons. While pointing the gun without aiming down the sights is, you know, what you'd expect. Aiming down the sights is done by pushing the R3, which is pushed down on the right control stick, which seems really, really counterintuitive. Every other shooter I've played, it's always been sort of the left trigger button, and you sort of hold that to aim the sights. But in Dying Light, that's using your special item you have equipped, so it doesn't work real well because it's not something that you can do quickly or easily. It seems actually quite clumsy to do that and push down on the thumbstick in the middle of combat since that's the controller stick that you're moving your aim with. (laughs) Seems really, really bad design. And so I think I'm probably going to wind up sort of avoiding using weapons in Dying Light. I haven't used them a whole lot yet. I just used them like once when I first got it to try it out. The game is really based around you're wanting to be as quiet as possible because noise sort of attracts higher level zombies. So even, you know, the heavy sort of tank zombies that have that big club you've probably seen in trailers, you know, even that is enough to attract others. There's another one where if you hit him in the tank, he sort of explodes. That explosion will sort of summon a bunch of zombies. So I don't even want to know how much noise and attraction, you know, a gunfight would cause. I think really the only thing Dying Light is missing is some sort of choice in dialogue. Techland has gone with the older design of a single line of voice acting with one character. You don't have a choice of even male or female. It's just male. And so, you know, I get that that makes sort of storytelling much easier. But I would really love sort of some sort of conversational choices because there's a lot of choices the character makes that I don't agree with. And, you know, I get not putting that in from a ease of storytelling standpoint. And I know a lot of games are like that, like the Far Cry series is a single character as well. But at least having some flexibility of at least male or female character would be nice you know, a few dialogue choices, so I at least feel like I'm making some kind of choice, would be nice. You know, I would love to see these things in Dying Light 2 whenever that comes out. Some sort of evolution beyond just a sort of basic forced story is really kind of helpful, I think, for the player to feel like they're making some kind of choices. And like I said, it's Really, the one thing I think is really missing from Dying Light, sort of in the core design, and like I said, gunplay is just bad. It doesn't seem like it was really thought out at all. But those are my only real complaints about it so far. It would also be nice to see some kind of customization in terms of how you look. I don't know if that's an option in co-op. I haven't done any co-op with anybody yet. My friends that I play with haven't gotten to the point where they can do co-op, so... They're pretty much just playing Destiny so far. They haven't really had a chance to get into Dying Light yet. But it would be nice to have, you know, some sort of cosmetic option in terms of clothing. When I first got my set of clothing that are default sort of runner clothing, it did look like there was kind of an inventory system set up to have like four or five different clothing spots. So it seems really odd in these 16 hours I've played so far that there have been no zero clothing drops or options for me to change. Even though I wouldn't see them on myself, 
you know, I would know, oh, that's a cool shirt. I like that. And I'm going to put that on. So when I do play with my friends, you know, I'll know that's what I look like instead of, you know, the default runner clothing. So that seems really odd. I'm going to get not having stats on clothing and not including them in the game, you know, because that makes balance a little bit more difficult. But at least having the cosmetic option would be nice. I mean, if you're going to have the game tell you go get your clothing from a bin and you put them on, you know, there should be more than one set of clothing, I would think. I'm still in the starting zone they call the slums, but I really enjoy it. And I would highly recommend it to anybody who is a zombie game fan, especially if you enjoyed the Dead Island series. I have just a few thoughts for Darkest Dungeon because it's really difficult to sort of describe. I don't even really know how to begin to describe it. The only way I can sort of think to start to describe it is you have sort of control over a roster of heroes and then you will send up to four into sort of a dungeon area and I would recommend you not take less than four. And then these dungeon areas are randomly generated and they can be short to longer dungeons. I'm still in the starting section of it, so they're all fairly short. But it shows sort of an artistic, I guess you could call it a graphic novel, sort of two and a half D style of sort of the side view of your characters. And then you'll move through the sections of the dungeon, which are randomly generated each time. And then you'll encounter some bad guys. And bad guys will have up to four bad guys. Some bad guys are large and they'll take up a couple of spots. But then combat is turn-based based on sort of a round structure. Each person has a turn. And some characters have abilities that affect certain spots in sort of the order in which they're standing. And some can affect multiple spots and some affect this spot and they have to stand in this spot in the group. But the big thing is you aren't just managing hit points of your characters and, you know, being able to damage the bad guys. But as your characters take damage, they'll gain stress. And if they stress out to a certain point, they'll sort of be challenged. And usually it will go badly and they'll get sort of a negative trait. But sometimes it can go actually good and they'll sort of have a positive trait that comes out of that challenge. And all of these little traits that they gain and traits that they might start the game with will make the characters all very different. In addition to, you know, just because they're a certain class doesn't mean they'll have, you know, the exact same skills as somebody else of that class. So it adds on this whole new other layer, like one of the traits is that one of the characters could become a kleptomaniac. And so whenever you get a new batch of treasure... Instead of it all going into sort of the group inventory and going back to sort of your keep where you upgrade all of your areas, some of those treasures might disappear forever because the character is going to keep them for themselves. Or I saw once one of the traits was 
I think it was called Stress Eater. And whatever the character was at higher than 50% of the maximum stress, they would eat twice as much food as normal. So things like that can really change the dynamic of how your group is playing. And depending on, you know, the severity of the perk they get, they may become, you know, somebody you probably don't want to take into the dungeon quite as often. You might want to spend more time in the various things in town to sort of recover their ales, I guess you could call them. As I said, it's sort of a 2D graphic novel art style, which is really amazing. It looks really good, and it's very, very different than anything else I've played. The music is very cool and atmospheric. I I believe I backed it at a level where I have the soundtrack, but the soundtrack isn't out yet, so I haven't been able to just, you know, go through and listen to the music. There is sort of a lord of the manor that has a voiceover, and he's sort of the character you're supposed to be playing, you know, as the controlling person of all of this stuff. And it's very cool to hear him talking about how the characters are dealing with things, how that the adventure is going overall. And while some of the stuff he says does get repeated at times, it's never repeated so often it's annoying. It's just like, oh, I've heard that before. But it's always very cool and interesting and does add sort of a nice, I guess, sort of narration overtone to enhance the story of what's going on. And I do think it kind of helps feel like, you know, this is actually a story being told by somebody of these adventurers, which sort of helps you feel sort of detached from them. Because if they do die, there is permadeath and they're gone forever. But it also helps you feel sort of unattached to them and sort of more focus on your total roster of heroes overall. Like I said, it's very difficult to describe. I would recommend you click the link in the show notes and go check it out and maybe check some videos on YouTube about, you know, people that have previewed it or reviewed it. And if it looks like something you might even be somewhat interested in, I would highly recommend it because it is very deep and very interesting. Like I said, it's quite different than pretty much all the other games I've played so far. Which is saying something, because, you know, I'm as old as dirt and have been playing forever. So I would highly recommend it if it looks even remotely interesting to you. So news this week is something I actually forgot about, and that is Jupiter Ascending. And it looks really cool. I don't think the commercials and trailers have changed since they originally announced it like eight months ago. So I'm still really curious about what they changed and why they delayed it so long. But that is due out in about a week on February 6th. So I won't be able to afford to go see it. But if I remember, I'll I'll try and peek at some reviews and let people know what the reviews say. And hopefully it'll be as cool as it originally looked. It looked pretty cool. But I don't know. Again, you know, I'm very curious about why they delayed it eight months to be, you know, sort of a Valentine's Day release instead of a summer blockbuster kind of release. That seems really curious to me.
So I guess that's it for this week's Rabbit's Rumblings. No donations, though a friend did send me a little bit of money for some stuff I did for her for her podcast. So that was very cool and helpful. No Patreons as far as I know. I did finally get a chance to do my taxes, and the good news is that's quite a bit more than I was expecting it to be. The bad news is that I don't know when that's going to come, and, you know, I don't have a whole lot of money left. And even though it is quite a bit more than I was expecting, you know, that's only going to make the difference of a couple weeks longer of how much food I have. So I'm still super concerned about that. I haven't heard back from the food stamp people. I did also finally do that. They said, you know, we'll we'll look at your file and review it and possibly call you. And then I haven't heard anything since that initial email. So I don't know what's going on with that. I will let people know when I hear something. I don't know. There's like no way to check it or anything. It's just like you submit it and then wait. So hopefully news on that will come soon. But, you know, being a government program kind of thing could be a couple weeks before I hear anything on that. But that's it for this Rabbit's Rumblings. And hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type Rabbit's Ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. I have a page on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbit, R-A-B-B number one T. You can set up a monthly recurring subscription there at a price point of your choice. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2014 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.